Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Five Star Movie Podcast, a movie podcast from two guys who are going to be spending the next six months in the Antarctic and who sometimes watch movies. Uh, we're here with the special spooky season episode of the of the movie club. I am, of course, Ryan Hurley, and I'm here, as always, with my esteemed co-host. Sam Wolfcool's here. I might be the thing, but you're going to have to test my blood to find out. Thank God we're uh, socially distanced here. Yeah, right? It's <laughs> Elizabeth better watch out, but uh, uh, I'm okay. Good. At least someone is. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll I'll tell I'll tell your story to everybody. Good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you're gonna you're you're gonna like drive into my apartment like the Norwegians chasing the the dog at the beginning of this movie. It, yep. I'm going to start shooting at a dog, and then you're going to just fire a tiny little pistol right through my skull from about 80, from about 65 yards away. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> uh, so as, as you all could tell, we're going to be talking about John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Um, but first, we have a quick programming note. Um, so we will not be doing the Oscars next week. We are going to be switching the Oscars every two weeks now because there's just too damn many movies to watch in one week for us this is not our job we don't get paid for it this is for fun we're going to keep it fun do it every two weeks um there will be a little bit of a change in the format we'll be uh still only covering five movies we'll be going in depth but we will reveal uh more about that when we do come back with the oscars We've got that uh, little syntax thing out of the way. What have you been watching lately, Wolf? Well, I finished up the Fast and Furious movies last week, which was a real, a real joy. Um, <laughs> they didn't, I don't know. I didn't love. I didn't love the last one I watched. It left a foul taste in my mouth. Is that is that fate? Fate of the Furious? Yeah, there's like a submarine in that, and Charlie's Theron's in it. It's a whole thing with the dreads. I do love the dreads. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So this morning, I had a little bit of time, and I treated myself to continue my journey through every movie nominated for an Oscar with a classic, not even 600 people I'd seen this on Letterboxd, from 1936, Three Smart Girls. It starred <laughs> Deanna Durbin, who was, like, billed as, like, um, whatever studio it was. I can't think of the studio, and it's bothering me. Like she basically was called like their next big find or their their great discovery, Deanna Durbin. <laughs> and since I know you haven't seen it, it's about these three girls who find out their father, who they haven't seen in ten years, is remarrying, and their mom's like really upset about it. Which like I don't love that from like a very nice perspective. Very nineteen thirties. <laughs> Uh, Deanna Durbin's 14 she gets hit on by probably a 28 year old Uh, a lot of like tough stuff in this she sings opera like there's a scene before bed where like they're still like the girls are still trying to like win over their dad and she sings opera it's universal by the way universal pictures okay Uh, universal's next great discovery where she's like singing opera before bed like directly in her dad's face and like if my daughter ever sang opera to me in my face, she'd leave. I'd be like, like get out. <laughs> Just fuck out. I'd be like, yeah, that's, uh, that's not going to work. I'm sorry. Like, sorry. 
don't it's 10 o'clock i gotta get up in the morning like <laughs> none of this yeah what you're singing opera at me i don't even like the opera yeah. what is going on it wasn't a great movie maybe it was good at the time i don't know but you know you know, in order to get through this goal, I gotta I gotta find some of these movies from the '30s. So maybe you'll hear more about them coming up. It's a it's a little bit comforting to know that the the Oscars have just always gotten it wrong. <laughs> Even in 1936, there's just still decisions that are baffling. I I, I it, like I don't even understand how someone would have liked this at the time. Like it wasn't funny. I couldn't tell anybody apart. Everybody looked like James Stewart. Like I couldn't do it. It, it's, I love the I love how old fashioned the poster is too, where it's just like the the movie debut of Radio's singing star. <laughs> I think my I think maybe depending on what time I wake up at tomorrow, there's a movie called Shanghai Express that I'll be doing as well. It's like eighty two minutes, but it sounds a lot more interesting. Hopefully, that one is um, will involve no opera uh, of any kind. Oh, Joseph von Sternberg and Marlena Dietrich. I think, yeah, I think you'll definitely like that. But that one better. It sounds interesting. I like I like movies in one location, which is kind of sounds like what this is. Yeah, I've not. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen this movie before, but I've heard really good things about the star and the director. So I think, I think you'll be in for a little bit of a treat with that one. The other least. movie that I saw coming to streaming from a long time ago that I'm definitely going to try to watch is Mutiny on the Bounty. That that intrigued me when I saw that. I've heard good things about that one too. Or Me too. It's uh that's exciting. That <laughs> you're gonna have some like head scratchers trying to go through all these Oscars and then hopefully just find like a lot of really good ones too, like that. <laughs> that's par for the course. What have you been watching yeah. lately? Uh so much. I've been watching so much lately. I saw that. Um, I love it. Yeah, a nice little like explosion of uh, of movies. Like I'll I'll just list through some of them and then I'll talk in depth about two of the more recent ones. I watched McCabe and Mrs. Miller. I watched North by Northwest. I watched Akiru. Um, I watched Heat and The Lighthouse last night. We need a book it's about that. Of... <laughs> Why you want to know so much about me, lady? <laughs> uh, just uh. It was a cathartic experience after that I that mess that of a uh, of a debate. Yeah, I just needed to feel good again. I watched Heat um, and drank profusely. Uh, and then earlier, I in the week, I also watched The Devil All the Time and uh, Enola Holmes and uh, Devil All the Time. I liked. It's um, a little bit disjointed. It's it's a little bit all over a place, all over the place. Um, but it's an interesting movie. Uh, I actually. I recommend seeking it out if you watch the trailers and are interested in it. Um, if you watch the trailers and you're not interested in it, stay away because it's very depressing. Um, it may be like too much so at times. Uh, Enola Holmes, I was not a fan of. Uh, I think it was just like a lame attempt at starting a franchise <laughs> off of like children's books based off of Sherlock Holmes. It just doesn't feel like accurate to the characters in Sherlock Holmes, which frustrated me as somebody that has read the books. Uh, <laughs> can I mention one more movie real quick? Absolutely. I uh, so I, I watched uh, 
actually was watching some Purge movies this weekend. I don't, I didn't really love them. But the one thing I wanted to mention was from 2020 as well, based on what you were mentioning. I watched this movie called Ava, where Jessica Chastain played like an assassin who like was kind of like humanizing herself about like what she was doing and. Um, basically, they decide that they have to like try to kill her, and there's like a lot of other like B C D F E G H I J K L M L P plots going on at the same time. It's a really good <laughs> cast, like really good cast. Like it's Chastain, Malkovich, Farrell, and Common. Wow, like That's a fun group of people. <laughs> uh, but it it wasn't very good. It was it was too short. It was like 96 minutes. They couldn't really, they couldn't give anything any credit. It was directly to Redbox. I think in other <laughs> countries, it got like a theater release. But Weird. in America, it didn't. And uh, Gina Davis was in it as well. Really weird cast. Really good cast. Someone liked my review. My review was, quote, <laughs> not great. <laughs> <laughs> At least um, and may- maybe somebody connected with the brevity. <laughs> I like putting my thoughts like I don't ever have any like deep reviews like for um, Escape from Alcatraz. It was like a thrilling slow burn. It's like, there you go. go. (laughs) The old like uh, some of the older uh, uh, taglines and stuff like that are are hilarious. And like that's sort of what uh, reviewing these things has become where it's just like, can I do like a Twittery version of like a tagline for this this movie now? For me, a thrilling slow burn, like perfect. For for me, it's like if someone mentions this movie to me, and I'm like, oh my god, I've seen it. I want to be able to go back, and if I don't have a review, I probably have like literally no thoughts on it. But if I have <laughs> anything, I could be like, oh yeah, like that was a thrilling slow burn. I love that. Yeah, movie. it's fun too to just kind of like uh, a sprinkle in like just any any of your thoughts or anything like that. Yeah. Keeping it short and funny, too, is always always good. <laughs> Can I ask you a quick question? Absolutely. So in honor of us doing a little Halloween horror this week, uh, what's your favorite movie to watch around Halloween? May- oh, so, yeah, maybe, oh, maybe, maybe you don't watch it, like, every year, but, like, when you see it, you think of Halloween. So, um, as a... Uh, as as you know, and as I as I mentioned before, I'm not the biggest um, horror movie person, so I'm I'm not normally the guy that's like watching, like the movie Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street or something like that. Um, but I do normally I do really like like um, The Shining, so I normally am watching that around this time, and then I'll also be watching movies that kind of like remind me of fall. Like I'll watch like when Harry met Sally a lot because there's a lot of good shots of, uh, you know, like the leaves falling and things like that. And it just kind of feels like, like you're wearing a sweater and the sort of like it's getting colder. So that's normally what I skew towards. I love that. Um, I love horror movies and like, I've only really gotten into horror movies in like the last, like over the last like year. So I'm trying to think of what I watched last Halloween that I know I want to watch again. And I think for me, I definitely want to revisit Scream. I think that's just like, it's not like the best movie ever made or the best horror movie ever made, but like it it just combines everything I love about the genre where like it's scary, but it's also like hilarious and it has just like really good characters that are both like dumb, but also there's ones you root for 
And it's just like, it's so aware of what it is, which I think so many horror movies aren't. And that's what like sinks them in my head where like you watch some of these like hour and a half, like cheap bullshit things on Netflix where they have like one actor you've heard of and they are (laughs) so serious. And it's like, what are you doing? Like we all see through it. Just have a little, like have a little more fun with it. But yeah, I I think, I think Scream's a great one because you know, it not only is it like a horror movie in itself, it's also like referential to a lot of other horror movies that are famous and things like that. So you're just like both having fun laughing at those things. And then also like kind of having fun with the movie itself. I think it's a great choice. And I think I want to revisit, uh, I know what you did. I, I know what you did last summer, just so I can revisit my favorite cast in movie history of Sarah Michelle Gellar, Ryan Phillippe, Freddie Prinze and Jennifer Love Hewitt. You couldn't you couldn't go uh, through Halloween without without some Sarah Michelle Gellar. <laughs> um, it's impossible. Just watch Scream Two, and there she is. <laughs> Can't go any month without watching some Sarah Michelle Gellar. God, not. maybe I'll swap you <laughs> Cruel Intentions at some point. You could just be like in shock of what that this film was ever made. She's so good in it though. Like her performance is out of this world. <laughs> It's it like I it is one that has been on my watch list. I know I need to watch it. Well, maybe that'll be a, a a movie swap at some point. Is we'll swap each other just movies we know we need to have seen, or we can call it movies that you can't watch with your parents. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a great one. <laughs> yeah, I'll be giving you Antichrist by uh, Lars von Trier. You can have fun with that one. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that'll be a great one. <laughs> well, we'll leave those options for when we do get to do that movie swap. Uh, we'll talk about our movie this week. Uh, getting us started in the spooky season is The Thing from 1982, um, starring Kurt Russell, directed by John Carpenter, it's music by Neil Morcone, um, and uh, just a, a really kick-ass like, 80s cast Um what did you think about this movie, Wolf? I'm always in whenever it's Kurt Russell and uh, John Carpenter getting together as a big Escape from New York guy. Um, oh, <laughs> I I really liked the thing. One of the problems I struggle with with horror is I've seen like so many like modern horror movies that like I kind of forget that like all of these are more or less like basically just stealing from the classics. And it, mm-hmm. it kind of took me until the last, like, third of this movie where I was like, this movie's, like, incredible. Like, everybody just yeah. tries to steal shit from the thing, but they can't. Like, this was alien, but it had more pacing. Like, this movie was so good. Like, I hate CGI. Like, these natural effects, practical effects were out of this world. Kurt Russell's really good in this movie. Like, I, I, anything with John Carpenter and like the score and the the location, like I'm in. I, I loved it. Yeah, it's it's an awesome movie. I definitely agree with what you said. Where there's a lot of movies that have come out since that that try to be this movie. You know, like taking that formula of having your characters get getting like picked off one by one, and um. Uh, being in this like isolated location where they can't get away from the thing that's coming after them, 
And but like, yeah, you watch this movie and like at a certain point you're just locked in and you're like, oh, I realize why this is such a big movie uh, to like horror people because it's just awesome. And it does these things like incredibly well. Yeah, I, I agree. Like Kurt Russell in this movie is, is fucking badass. And uh, like, I, uh, I think the only other Kurt Russell, John Carpenter movie I've seen is um, <laughs> uh, uh, Big Trouble in Little China which is an awesome movie also, but like very different than this. And it's just really entertaining to see Kurt Russell's McCready, like just being like a stone cold badass in this movie. Like uh, that's definitely like the first thing I, I recognize when watching it is just like uh, Kurt Russell is awesome in this thing. <laughs> I, I feel like John Carpenter really taps into like three different Kurt Russell's in the movies we've mentioned where like escape from New York, he's just like a hardened criminal badass. And then yeah. big trouble, little China. He's like, he's like funny and he's like really personable. Oh, yeah. And like, you, he's like someone you want to spe- get a beer with. And then in this movie, he's like, he's just poised. He's really put together and he's like ready to like figure this out. And when no one else really was. Yeah. Like he's really just like no nonsense in this mm-hmm. movie which is not something you'd necessarily like expect from him given the other performances, but then you watch it and you're like, God, he could, he just does it so well. He, he, uh, he actually is in some of the later fast and furious movies and he's, he's great in those. So like Kurt Russell's just like kind of one of those guys. He's, uh, he, he just, he's like starting to come into these franchises for some reason. And I kind of love it. Oh yeah. Anytime Kurt Russell's in a movie, it's, it's amazing. Like, um, even even Guardians of the Galaxy 2, where his yeah. character is literally just, like, spitting off exposition, I fucking love him in that movie. <laughs> he's just, he's aged so well. Like, he's still, like, a good-looking dude. He doesn't look that old. He, there's just something, like, I still think he could beat me up. Like, I just love, I just, <laughs> I love Kurt Russell. And I love, I love the rest of this cast, too. But I, I think his, like... Uh, on-screen presence is like untouched by by a lot of other 80s stars yeah i agree like there's just something about him whenever he's on screen where you're like god i I love this guy (laughs) yeah you're just like what are we doing like i'm with kurt like what are we doing yeah like here we go i do agree too that this uh, this cast is incredible like wilford brimley and keith david and all, all the other people that uh, are are playing, you know, the other people in this station with him are, are perfectly cast in this movie. I completely agree. I love, I, I like Keith David a lot. He's in like everything. <laughs> he's, he's just, whenever he's a badass in a movie, that's like the best movie ever. <laughs> I completely agree. We'll start getting into the plot of this thing a little bit. The movie opens, you see the spaceship flying in, you get the title, um, and then you get sort of a, you just get right to it where it's the helicopter chasing the dog and the Norwegians are kind of trying to kill the dog and um, they eventually kill the Norwegians and they let the dog in and um, it just, this movie just really gets rocking and rolling right away. That was definitely the thing that I, I realized seeing that, like you immediately just get to that helicopter. It was nice not watching any sort of like big setup or anything, you know? I, uh... I'm uh I was mad I didn't get to like watch that helicopter come in on like a seventy inch screen. Yeah. 
it with like uh the just the the volume like blaring and the score you know really going and things like that like that shot it didn't look like it was from the 80s like it looked like it was something that like you'd see on a screen today it just looked so like uh like modern it's i don't know it just looks so clean and, and and crisp it it looks great and um as as you're mentioning too like i feel like if you saw this in the theaters that's like a great place to start because you're just immediately seeing the isolation you're seeing like the expansiveness you're you're hearing all all the noise like it it just would be a great way to like lock you in right away awesome from there um the the crew our crew of guys who we meet in the beginning uh they decide to go and investigate the norwegian base there's all kinds of carnage there there's people with slit wrists there's dead people there's burnt stuff um how eerie was this scene (laughs) i i like i was trying to figure out like like what happened like at that point because we didn't like know everything about it it was just like it was it was just not what you want (laughs) like yeah like they were like oh man go check on the norwegians and like you felt like scared for them like even flying over to it and yeah it it was uh i didn't like it no, no, not one bit. Yeah, you're immediately fearing for their lives. It also does a great thing, too, of, like, this movie is almost, like, or at least this part of the movie is almost, like, mystery-esque in the sense that, like, you, you they go there, and like you said, like, you're not really sure what was happening. You're You're trying to just figure out, like, what is even going on, what went on at this base. And, like, it does a really good job of just building that suspense where it's, like, Whatever happened here was really bad. <laughs> I loved uh, Kurt Russell's flying hat. Yeah, it looks like a giant sombrero. Yeah, and then they 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 also they go there and they grab that like deformed like carcass looking thing and like that just gave me all the chills of just being like, no, no, why are you grabbing this? Don't take this back. I got, I got more on that. <laughs> with our with our next plot point but that was a a bold move to just pick it up and be like all right let's study this what are we even doing here yeah this thing that looks like completely inhuman at this point like uh, let's bring it back with us and take a look (laughs) it can't be anything dangerous right nope (laughs) defies logic defies logic (laughs) from there uh they go back they've got the carcass uh we are stray husky that was saved from the norwegians in the beginnings uh, goes with the other huskies in the dog cage. They, it attacks the dogs. Um, we we're quickly realize that something is going wrong here. Um, and we're, maybe we're wondering, is, is Clark contaminated? He's acting mm-hmm. weird. He's been with that dog a lot. Um, they pull the fire alarm. They, they kill the creature, but part of it escapes. Um, and they're basically starting to figure out the idea that this thing is shape-shifting to look like them in order to kill them. Um, what what did you have for, for this scene that you uh, said was brought over from the last scene? <laughs> well, they do the whole autopsy, and, and, like, the guy is able to be like, this thing can shape-shift. And I was like, what? How are you figuring this out? What are you noticing about this? <laughs> they do lock in real quick. Yeah. They, <laughs> they are just immediately, like, Something's up. It's got to be shape shifting. <laughs> I, I was uh, I was astounded by the doctor work from that guy, and I also loved how quickly they came to the conclusion that we have to like put like to like 
set everything on fire to kill it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad, though, that, they, that those things, like, immediately lock into place because, um, like, we, we talk about this all the time, mainly with comedy movies, but, like, when, when they're doing something and they're just like, oh, the, the characters don't understand, but, like, you as the viewer are like, I know what's going on. And it gets annoying. I was so glad that they were just like, nope, they understand. It's shape-shifting. They're fucking terrified. <laughs> I, I don't know if we're going to talk about this, like, later, because it's, like, it's barely a scene. But I love that little part of the movie where, like, they, like, are focused on, like, the computer screen. And it's just, like, the little cells. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, dog. Yeah. And it's, like, human. It's, like, imitate. And I'm, like, what am I looking at? How do you learn from this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's so it's so like eighties computer technology, but it does just show like uh that they're realizing how quickly this thing spreads and like how it works and you're just like, Oh fuck. <laughs> John Carpenter, I feel like has always been a director who like doesn't like deal with the bullshit. Like Escape from New yeah. York, I feel like that like needs like a ten episode Netflix series to even explain how that even exists but it's he's just like look <laughs> man like he's just like or like manhattan is a is a prison now deal with it kurt has gotta go in boom movie and i'm like all right i'm in you i get yeah. it fuck yeah <laughs> yeah like here we go cool all right that's, that's awesome i love it. it he also does a great job in this movie too of of um uh just like consistently bringing that like level of dread where you're watching it and you're just like, this is not going to go well for these characters at all. Like, I know, like, in the first, in the first scene of this, when I see the, the like, dog have, have like, the tentacles, like, oh out of its God. back, <laughs> shooting the acid on the other dog, I'm like, oh, my God, they're fucked. <laughs> uh, my, my whole, like, that got me. Like, the moment they finally, like, showed us, like, the thing, I was like, ooh, I don't like this. And then, I don't know about you, but, like, the whole time for me, my thought was, is Kurt Russell, like, is he, like, one of the things? Like, is, is maybe the whole point is we were like, you're you're following around, like, this guy, but, like, he's actually not who he says he is. And I thought that was going to be, like, a twist they'd pull on us at the end, which we don't know. But that was always a thing yeah. for me that I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, like, maybe. Yeah, it does a good job of, like, setting up that, once again, like, that mystery aspect where you're like, okay, now I know what it does. Who, who is, is already infected? How is it, how is it like transmitting itself? How much does it take to transmit itself? Yep. You know, cause like you could go through and at, at certain points, you know, like, like we just said with like the guy yep. Clark where uh, we'll, we'll talk about the scene where it's revealed whether or not he is contaminated, but like immediately in this scene, you're like, Oh, he's acting weird. Uh, he's got, he's, he's got it for sure. But you just don't really know. <laughs> it, it feels like it's it's like almost the perfect like rewatchable because it's a great movie that you want to revisit. But it's also like let's see if I can like connect some of the dots that like I know now because I've seen it. Yeah, exactly. Like the, you you would just watch this again and again, just trying to unearth like when did these guys get infected and like what what did it take for him to like get infected? I agree. So this thing escapes. They um, they 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 realize that uh, some some nefarious is going on here. Um, 
and they're going to look for where this thing might have come from. They find the spaceship uh, that's been unearthed by the uh, Norwegians after hundreds of thousands of years. Um, and then, like you said, we get our scene with the computer. We're just seeing how fast this thing spreads, how quickly. Um, according to IMDb, this thing would have taken out Earth in three years' time, which almost seems silly that it wouldn't have gone faster. Yeah. <laughs> but um, So they, they try to isolate the creature's remains because obviously that's a problem. And <laughs> the one guy gets attacked, he gets pulled away, he disappears, and then they find him outside and they, they have to incinerate him. This causes Wilford Brimley to lose his mind and get locked alone in Mac's cabin. Um, this is it just me or is like this really when you're like it gets rocking and rolling where you're like danger is around every corner now. Yeah, like the movie definitely isn't like the picture of speed the first 30, 40 minutes, which like I don't think is a bad mm-hmm. thing because like I, I liked I kind of I just enjoyed like the cinematography and like being a part of it. But yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. At this point, you're really in. Like, you are. I I feel like I feel like this movie's like slept on. Like, I don't I don't hear enough the thing <laughs> conversations in my life. Yeah, it it seems like something where if you it's if you if you're like deep in film Twitter or film Reddit or whatever, you've probably heard people talk about this, and you're like, okay, I got to see it. But like, I think if we talk to like if we talked about this movie to our parents, I don't think they would be especially familiar with it, which is a, a real shame. Like this should be a staple for everybody. I feel like. I think this scene happened within what you just talked about, but I, I, I couldn't like, like even on my laptop, the scene of them going and like looking at what the Norwegians under earth on earth was like breathtaking. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're just like, <laughs> Once again, you get that marvelous hat from uh, uh, Kurt Russell. But you're also just, like, looking at the spaceship, and, like, it's clearly a special effect, but it looks amazing. And you're, you, you're kind of, like, you just kind of have that sense of wonder the, uh, that the guys have, like, looking at, at it. And, like, yeah, it's just a really great scene. I did have a little bit of a nitpick where Kurt looks at the guy, and he's like, how long has this thing been in ice? And without missing a beat, he's like, I'd say at least 100,000 years. And I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know that? Like that? Yeah. Like, what? what is this group of guys up here? Like, are they like, they're, they're just like super scientists or something? Because they're finding like scientific discoveries in like two minutes. Well, it's funny you, you say that. I when, when you were talking about Clark, I was like, which one was Clark? And then like, it, it hit me. But I looked him up anyway. Clark was... It says Clark was a dog handler. That was his job. That's why he was there was to handle the dogs. Oh man, he he uh, he really did not do a good job handling the dogs at all. Uh, the dogs handled him. I, I love when I forget who it was asked him to like go check on the dogs and like in like the last thing we talked about, and he just like sounded like Pete Davidson on that SNL sketch where he was just like, oh okay, like okay, I'll go, I'll stop playing pool. <laughs> I'll stop playing pool. I'll go check on the dogs. <laughs> He's just like Clark too. Uh, I so like to us, he just seems very weird. I um I don't understand why the guys in the station though weren't like, ah, oh, we don't have to be suspicious. Clark's just a fucking weirdo. He's just a guy. He just spends all day with dogs. 
Clark's just with the dogs all day. He doesn't talk to any, like, he doesn't get any human interactions. He's just talking to the dogs. <laughs> I, yeah. I, uh, I, didn't, I didn't love that that one guy thought he needed to take Kurt Russell outside to tell him, like, I think the creature might still be alive. It's like, shouldn't this be information for everybody? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, maybe we all need to know so we pretty don't much, die. Pretty much. So, so from there, uh, we're sort of realizing that they, that we're in deep shit. And so the doctor says that he wants to develop a blood serum, um, but the blood bags have all been uh, slashed. And so suspicions begin to rise uh, pretty quickly, as we said, especially towards Clark, who just is a certified weirdo and not actually the thing. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, And uh, so McCready quarantines people. He um, takes over as the leader, and uh, basically it's recommended that everybody eats their meals out of cans because they're going to be fucked if they don't because they can get tampered with. Um, how terrifying is it to you to just think about the situation and then just get to this moment where you're just like, oh, fuck, so, well, somebody here right now is infected? <laughs> they, like, they couldn't trust anybody at this point. And, and I, love, I love this part of the scene where like the guy from the Warriors like runs off with a gun and he's like ready to like go at people. And the, the other person they started to really suspect was that Gary guy. Because he was the only one who yeah. was like able to get into the blood. He's got a great line later in the movie that we'll have to get to. But... Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I like... At this, uh, well, I, the other part of the scene that I that didn't make a lot of sense to me was they were like, okay, we need a new leader, and the camera pans to this like fat white guy that like I don't like I don't even remember ever seeing on camera, and he's like, <laughs> he's like couldn't be me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's sort of like um, that uh, you know when you're watching a, a movie and and there's like a big war scene or something. And then they need somebody to die, and it just like cuts to a guy you've never seen before, like getting shot and falling. That's what that was, where they're like, "Hey, random dude, you want to be leader?" And the guy's like, "No," <laughs> and, and you're like, "What is your name, sir?" But at this point, like someone's infected, and it's one of those things where it's like, "Well, only you two could have been into this thing," but like any of you could have gotten into it because of like the circumstances we're facing right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's just like, it's it's got to be Gary, but also it's just just like these are extenuating circumstances, so we don't know. And then I I do love just like because this is when uh, Kurt Russell really locks it in and, and like really starts to shine is when he takes it takes charge and just like watching him try to deal with all these scenarios. It's so mm-hmm. good. I like I love it. So the following evening. The power to the lab is disabled. Pukes, our guy that tells everybody to eat out of cans, is killed. They find his charred body outside. So Mac and Nalls decide to go and see what the hell is up with Wilford Brimley. And they head there because and, and, they see that the lights are turned, turned back on. Um, this scene just really made me feel cold. I don't know about you, but I was, I was shivering just watching it. Yeah, that I think uh, I think my favorite part of this scene was definitely like when they go to Wolfer Brimley's like door and they're talking to him and it's like he he he's just really like I want to come back inside like let me come back inside yeah and 
at this point, like, there was really no doubt in my mind. I was like, this dude is absolutely, like, a thing. Because I feel like if he wasn't, mm-hmm. he would be, like, having a lot more trouble being outside. But instead, he was just, yeah. like, sitting there, like, calmly, like, let me come back inside. Almost as if he was, like, pretending to be, like, a person <laughs> trying to be calm. Especially, like, just co- contrasting that to, like, him losing his shit, like, earlier and, like, killing the dogs and stuff like that. You're like, you just went from, like, 10 billion to zero. Like, I definitely don't trust you, Wilford Brimley. Not even, like, a little bit. But I like this idea of the, of of, uh, of this scene making you cold because uh, they had that whole funeral outside, and they, I just was like, wow, this is, like, cold. <laughs> yeah. It does a good job, too, of, like, uh, creating that sense of, of just basically being, like, they're, they really have two things that they're going up against here. Like, it's the thing, but it's also the weather and this, like, just incredibly desolate, um, like, climate that they're going up against. And it's, like, if they're not careful, they could just die from exposure to the cold, too, and not not even from the thing. And, and it just, just does a really good job of, like, creating that feeling. Yeah, it's like when Brimley's character was, like, freaking out. That one guy, like, ran out to, like, get McCready and, and Fuchs, and he, like, had barely gotten his coat on. And I'm like, dude, you're probably fucking freezing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Who are just like, dude, it's... It, at one point, they're like, it's, it's 100 below. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, 100 below. How, how are you not, like, just walking around in, like, a giant heated bubble or something like that? Like, I don't even know. Have you ever seen Armageddon? <laughs> yes. Oh, that absolutely. That just made me think of when Owen Wilson's like, so what is it like in space? And Billy Bob Thornton's like, it'll be 100 degrees. It'll be, like, over 100 degrees Fahrenheit in some parts, then minus 100 degrees Fahrenheit in other parts. And Owen's like, so it's the worst place so it's like my my biggest nightmare <laughs> the the worst environment yeah, imaginable that's... that's all you need to say is the worst environment imaginable <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's exactly what this is though it's the worst environment imaginable <laughs> so uh, after their little excursion up there Nalls finds those tattered remains of mac's clothes he thinks mac is the thing he ditches him mac has to break in starting to blow himself up Keith David and and Gary, uh, or no, it's not Gary. Keith David and one of the other crew members, though, Storm Mac. Uh, Norris falls down. He collapses. Seems like he's having a heart attack. The doctor's trying to give him uh, some defibrillation, and um, his chest opens up, rips his arms off. Uh, McCready has to destroy it. Uh, its head in a, in a very horrific scene, especially for me. Uh, because I'm an arachnophobe, splits off the body, sprouts spider legs, and uh, tries to crawl away, but that gets burned too. Uh, the effects just look amazing oh in this God. scene, though. His John Carpenter's ability to do practical effects is like he's so good at like everything that makes horror movies great. Like he's good at like like making you feel this like unbelievable dread like especially in halloween the whole time that movie you're just like oh my god oh my god oh my god there's like someone coming and then in this movie he kind of goes he i mean he gets all the dread you could ever ask and then he's like i got you some crazy gore like right here that scene was nuts Mm -hmm. i was like mesmerized by like his head like flinging down he's got all these arms popping off yeah, or like 
you know, like any, any, anything with like the tentacles oh in this gosh. movie, I was sitting there like, Jesus, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, and then the, the head and your, the, the, the like detail to get all of like the, the tendons and like pieces of skin and stuff like that that are like being pulled and stretched. It's really disgusting, but it's, it's perfect. Like it, it looks amazing. It looks amazing still, you know, 40 years on. Oh, I mean, I think about like like other movies like that, like Jurassic Park and Jaws, that like were all practical stuff. Like they still look so much better than some of these like, let's just CGI like all these animals. Like, uh, um, well, watching the Fast and Furious movies, like they CGI a bunch of the car stuff and it looks awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, or like, uh, like um, the the Star Wars, their CGI like looks like absolute crap now but then like you're you're watching something in the 80s uh what you know like this that uses practical practical effects and it still looks good and you basically wonder yourself like okay i get that it um might be like more difficult to try and get the practical effects to work but like you at least got to try it you know like i feel like it just always turns out better this I agree, and this is also where like the movie goes like fully downhill, where everyone starts to drop yeah. like flies. Yeah, exactly. Like this is this is when you pretty much lose hope in the movie. Or at least I did. <laughs> I think I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of the exact order people died, but I think like the next thing you'll talk about. Oh yes, the next thing you talk about is where I finally like fully lost hope. Yeah, yeah. This. So we'll get to it now then. Um, so they weren't able to get the blood bags to have clean blood to test with. So Mac creates um, his own version of test with the blood, which is he's putting heat towards it. And if, um, if, if it reacts to the heat differently than human blood would, they're the thing. Uh, McCready finds that two of them are not the thing. Um, and then he... Uh, uh, oh, wait. Oh, wait. I'm missing first, though. He kills our, our weird guy, Clark. Clark does not like the idea. And McCready shoots him. And I um, I was never more certain in my life that Clark was the thing until uh, his blood does not react like the thing. <laughs> uh, but so he, he, he goes through the, the test of the other people. You get two, two, two negatives. And then eventually Palmer is discovered to be the thing. McCready's uh, flamethrower is misfiring, and um, he he doesn't kill it. And then Windows just completely freezes oh up. Horrible beat for Windows. Horrible, horrible beat for Windows. <laughs> uh, he gets killed in a horrific scene. Uh, McCready kills the thing, um, and then they have to torch the now infected Windows. Um, I, I I've got a nitpick question here. Why is he tying them up together? <laughs> Seems like he's endangering the other two people quite a bit <laughs> by tying them to the person that's the thing. <laughs> wow, maybe he had nothing to cut the rope. Didn't want to use the flamethrower. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a I good point. <laughs> um, uh, this scene is, is uh, awesome, though. This is definitely one of my favorite scenes from the movie, I think. My one nitpick with this scene is when the thing is attacking windows, it's clearly not windows it's just like looks like a rag doll almost was being yeah. attacked 
Uh, but that, like, <laughs> that, that did not like affect the scene. Um, this is really when I gave up on it, though, because Clark, like when Clark, for some reason, feels the need to like attack McCready and he just like shoots him dead. I'm just like, oh, no, this movie's like everyone's lost. Like they're all fucked. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's when you, it's like they're, they're all going down. Like, they, they really all have no hope. I, like, I, like I, I don't understand like what Clark was thinking, being like, you know what I'm going to do right here? I'm going to punch McGreedy. Like, this is like, we're all, <laughs> we're all a little like worried, but like, whatever. I'm just going to go after him because I'm a big guy. I can do it. And then he just gets murked. I, Clark, like, Clark never stood a chance in that scene. He, <laughs> he goes after McCready and McCready just like, boom. Blows him away. I, I don't blame him. He's like, no, no, no. Me. He was probably like, oh, if you're coming at me, like, there must have a reason. I um, I I, I totally side with with McCready in that scenario. Like, Clark's acting weird. Now he's trying to attack me when I'm trying to test him. Like, why why would he be attacking me like this? Then uh, he's got to be the thing. I was I've never been more shocked than that Clark was not the thing. He's just a weird dude when it comes down to it, apparently. <laughs> he just understands dogs better than humans, I guess. Oh, he, I hope so. The scene where Windows is getting killed, too, I think is one of the most like brutal in the movie, just watching him get mauled. Oh, my God. He got, he got absolutely fucked. It was, it, it's, it's horrific just like watching him get caught in like the mouth of this thing. And then when he like becomes the thing himself, like that was even kind of jarring. Yeah. Well, and then they and then they uh, are like they they like light him on fire, and he runs through the wall or whatever. I don't know. I just watch it. I'm like, God, poor bastard. <laughs> oh, this is the perfect time for me to do my quote. So do it. So then basically, all of this happens, and our uh, our good pal Gary is still tied. Too. He's still sitting there in the chair, tied to the chair, as well as uh, just I think Keith David was too. Or yeah, they're both still tied to the chair and they're testing, and they get to Gary last, who they all think is the thing. Like they're everyone's like convinced Gary's the thing, and he he's found not to be the thing. And he goes, "I know you gentlemen have been through a lot, but when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch." Yes. <laughs> Yes, that's that's an amazing quote. That's an amazing <laughs> quote. I like to like Childs as soon as he's, he's like discovered, uh, you know, like of as he's discovered to like not be the thing. He's just like, get me out of this chair right now. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so good. I would be like, I'd be like, get me the fuck out of this chair. <laughs> I like the reactions too when Palmer starts like turning into the thing. They're just like they basically have this expression of just like I'm tied to it. I'm tied <laughs> to it. Help me! <laughs> I've never identified with with two human beings more. <laughs> just get me away from this get thing, <laughs> please, please. <laughs> so from there, uh, McCready, Gary, and Childs go to check on Blair. They want to give him the blood test. Uh, but they go up there and they find that Wilfred Brimley is nowhere to be found. They they find all of the like technology he's been constructing underneath um, the little cabin he's been locked in. Um, they realize that Blair is is probably the last thing creature 
um, and that it's trying to freeze into hibernation. Um, so they basically realize, oh, we've got we've to blow up the complex. Um, and they just start setting fire to everything. Um, what do you think about the strategy to just destroy the, the base here? <laughs> I, I think everyone in this movie had like a really profound understanding of the effect this thing could have on the world, which I was impressed by. So like, if it was like me, I don't think I would have ever like thought about this. I would have been like, ah, like, Oh, I guess it's just like an Antarctica thing. Like whoever comes next, I guess. But then (laughs) they're like, so aware of like, okay, like this could be a problem forever to the whole world. It's like, we got to get rid of it. I thought that was like very brave from these characters. Yeah, I, I I liked watching it. It it definitely like, yeah, I, I agree. Where I think um, I think were I given this choice, I, I would I would not be making the same choice. Um, but like, I guess it's why they're it's why they're good characters is because they are willing to do that. Um, and yeah, like it completely fucks them. But that's definitely just like what they had to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean. I I think they were all just like they they like they got they understood things better than anybody else ever would, and they just like really picked up on quickly the fact that fire was the way to like take this thing out. Yeah, I guess maybe I guess maybe that can be chalked up to them being scientists. I, I don't I don't know, but like, yeah, me as a regular person, I'm like this seems like a leap or like ridiculous to me, but also you guys have just been getting picked off, so. And- we got to do something. I liked it though, and I, and I love like the. I, lo- I mean, we're about to get to it, but I just love like the final scene and how it good the whole screen looks when it's being fully blown up. Oh yeah, I I agree. Like I I like the beat in the movie, and like yeah, definitely it definitely works really well. Um, yeah, from there, so they they're trying to destroy the base. Gary gets killed. Nalls disappears. I assume he's probably dead. Uh, McCready. Uh, comes face to face with the giant player thing, um, destroys his detonator. McCready throws a lighted stick of dynamite at it, and uh, the rest of the compound explodes. But McCready survives. He stumbles back, finds Childs, but both of them are pretty leery of each other. They kind of crack some jokes at each other. They they're basically just waiting for either the cold or the thing to take them. Um, and it and it's end of movie. What a sad ending to this movie. What a what an awesome ending. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Like we we don't need an answer of like like we don't need to know that they're fine. It's almost like the end of Ex Machina where like there's this robot out in the world and it's like with this where it's like oh is there about to be like this thing out in the world now too. And and uh, yeah. it's nice to not know. I think that I think that adds to it. I love the ending where Oh, this also had one of my favorite movie tropes where, like, a cigarette or cigar can, like, light a fire, like, very easily. Like, he throws a cigar from, like, a pretty fair distance, and the whole thing just blows up. (laughs) Movies are just, like, any amount of fire is just, like, the most flammable fire in the world. (laughs) Yeah, I love this ending, though. Like, them just basically sitting there, and they're like, we did what we could do, but like, I have no idea if I can even trust e- you, the other person here. I can't really like let you out of my sight. 
we're kind of fucked because now our only heat is gone. So like, um, we just got to sit here and basically let ourselves die. <laughs> it's really effective, though. It's really effective. I'd love if they just like made like a like like a like a movie short where it's just like thirty eight years later, and it's just those two still staring at each other, and they're like basically like ice cubes. <laughs> yeah, they they become like they they get uh they become cryogenically frozen, and then people find them and unfreeze them. That's pretty great casting to like end the movie with Kurt Russell and then it's like pick a guy who knows and he picks Keith David who is I, I you know I'd say at this point probably the second most famous person in that movie. Well, yeah, maybe Wilfred Brimley, but I I think Keith I think Keith David is more like recognizable for his acting than Wilfred Brimley is. I think yeah, I was going to say I think Keith David like Wilford Brimley, people know him as like the diabetes guy. So, uh, um, you know, like him and him and him and uh, Keith David being the last two, I think is a, is a good call. It's, uh, it's lucky. I love looking back on like older movies and being like, man, this is like a great cast. Like, how did they pull this off? Yeah, it's it's like they they really just like <laughs> they just knew. They, you couldn't tell how, but they just knew. You know. But uh, I love the ending. I love this. Whole, I love this whole movie, and I and I think it's uh, as much of like a horror movie it is. Like I don't I don't know if I would like couple it in with uh, other horrors because it's just like I don't know. I don't know. It never fully gives into its gimmick. It still tries to be a good movie. Yeah, I think it sort of transcends transcends the horror genre. I think so, um, yeah, it's just a really good movie. Um. Yeah, I gave it five stars on Letterboxd. I, I was super happy we watched this movie. Yeah, I like the whole movie. I was like, like I said, like I was basically like, this is like really good. And then finally, by the end of it, I was like, oh my gosh, like that was incredible. Like that, that yeah. was incredible. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you get to it and you don't realize how much you're enjoying it until you get to the end and you're like, oh, this is, um, this is, uh, an all-timer like this is just a classic awesome movie yeah, for sure good john carpenter love that guy um i think my review was john carpenter's a fucking g <laughs> <laughs> he is a g he just uh, he's always he's always out there giving you something interesting to watch i was trying to find another movie that was streaming of his of of his and uh-huh. the only one i could find which i don't know if i'm gonna watch it but it's him and tobe hooper who's another like horror genius combined to make like an anthology where like Carpenter directs two of them and Tobe Hooper directs the third and like I can't say I've watched a bunch of anthologies but I don't know if it's really my thing so I haven't looked into it yet might be kind of interesting you never know what's the name of the movie body bags hmm I've never heard of that one before it uh might be interesting. It, uh, though. So I was just like skimming a few reviews, and people seem to be more into Carpenter than Hooper. Which, I mean, that that doesn't surprise me. Tope Hooper's like a genius, but <laughs> I don't. I mean, he doesn't have like the same i like the same IMDb like um like Carpenter's got like a lot of good movies, while Hooper, I guess, doesn't really have as many like famously really good movies. 
the resume is not quite as long or, or however you it's want to put it. It's basically like <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then like Poltergeist. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the, and Poltergeist people think that Steven Spielberg might have like ghost directed it too. So then Poor Toby Hooper. Poltergeist <laughs> is another one of those movies where, like, when I watched it for the first time, like, a, a few months ago, I wasn't, like, super intrigued by it. Like, I liked it, but I wasn't, like, overwhelmed by it. But it's another movie where it's, like, yeah, but I've seen, like, eight other movies that are basically just Poltergeist with this slight twist to make it unique. Yeah. yeah they're just imitated constantly. There's something <laughs> wrong with the house. How many times can we make this movie? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I have some I have some trivia oh, about sure. this movie, uh, if you want to hear it. So, um, John Carpenter, out of all of his movies, has said that this is his oh. favorite. That's nice. Is this your favorite John Carpenter? No, but I like it. I agree. It's still really, really good. I I, I feel like it could grow on me too. It could grow oh, into yeah. that. That's how Halloween was. Halloween for me started as like pretty good, and then I watched it again, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, you just see more and more. So the year that this movie came out, um, a Neil Morricone score was nominated for a Razzie, um, which for worst score. Now though, it's uh, it's it's pretty much considered a classic film score, and um, a Neil Morricone even won an Academy Award for some of his work from this movie because he used unreleased tracks in the soundtrack of uh, The Hateful Eight. So. It all came full circle for a Neo. I love that. My forever my favorite Razzie moment is when Sandra Bullock won a Razzie the same year she won an Oscar for the Blind Side. <laughs> you know, uh, I I, th- I think the Razzies are in the right in that <laughs> in that scenario. I think the Oscars got What's it wrong. Went in for it was for <laughs> all about Steve. Uh oh, for all yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's a horrendous <laughs> movie. Definitely deserves it. That's somehow worse than The Blind Side. Like that is I don't know why I've watched that movie. I, I I never feel like the Razzies like totally get what they are. They basically just pick like really popular movies and then it's like bash them. And it's like, no, like there are genuine awful movies that come out every year you could be highlighting. Especially now, it's like there's so many like VOD and Netflix movies that you could just just rip to shreds. Like Nick Cage and uh, who's the one? Like Jason Patrick makes like, and Peter Facinelli, like all these awful actors make like direct uh, VOD shit. <laughs> yeah, they deserve they deserve a few more Razzies. <laughs> um, my final big piece of trivia here, um, on. Another famous movie uh, that we both love from 1982 came out. Oh, yeah. The exact same week as the thing. Uh, do you know it's, what movie uh, that is? Blade Runner. It is, which is awesome. Could you imagine doing a double feature at the theaters and seeing Blade Runner and, and, uh, and the I would thing? love. No, that's, that's awesome. That's. I, I don't even like. I don't even know if I would be able to like, understand what I'm watching, though. I'd be like, I would like. Could you imagine that happening now? Like, how would that even work to like that's Ridley Scott and John Carpenter making a movie at the same time? I can't even think like what that would be like. That would be like James Wan and like and like Ridley <laughs> Scott making a movie at the same time. 
it'd be like if like a, a, a like a, a big like I don't know like if like a if like the Invisible Man and like a Marvel movie came out on the same weekend or something. You know? uh, yeah, I mean, oh my god, that's incredible! I can't even think of like who knows if they'll ever make a horror movie as good as stuff like The Thing. Yeah, I I mean I'm holding out hope. I hope so. <laughs> Well, I think uh, that pretty much puts the thing to bed. Uh, we can light that on fire, uh, not let it freeze, let it die out. Um, next week, uh, we're doing a movie swap. Uh, it's a Halloween costume movie swap. We're swapping a movie that is uh, based off of a costume that we have done uh, in, in a past Halloween uh, what uh, movie are you giving? I'm not me, a Wolf? big dresser upper for Halloween. So one year, I simply put on jeans and a jean jacket and told everybody I was from the Outsiders. <laughs> so you're going to be watching the classic film uh, Francis Ford Coppola, The Outsiders. Actually, a great movie. So this actually worked out well. I'm I'm excited. I've been meaning to cross this one off uh, my list. So I, I you yeah, know I'm excited to watch it. It's funny though that you just. <laughs> You just didn't want to dress up, so you're just like, ah, I was, I'm in the I Outsiders. One night I said I was in the Outsiders, and then the other night I said I was in Footloose. <laughs> That's a smart move. Uh, my, my One of my roommates last year, he forgot to do a costume, so he just put on a jean jacket, and he said he Perfect. was Bob Dylan. Yeah, it, it works. So many people have donned the jean jacket. <laughs> so the, the movie I'm giving you, because... Uh, one year, I made the uh, stupid mistake of of buying a mask. Have you ever Have you ever worn a mask for a, a Halloween My mom costume? Refused to buy them for me. <laughs> I I think she saved you a lot of pain because I I bought a Bart Simpson mask and then uh, I I wore it all Halloween except for I didn't wear it all Halloween. I uh, I I got tired of it after about fifteen minutes and just walked around carrying a Bart Simpson mask. <laughs> But I'm gonna give, be giving you the Simpsons movie from 2007. Beautiful. I've never. I uh, all I know from this is where it's like a spider pig, spider pig. I saw that commercial like 400 times. <laughs> a billion times. Everybody <laughs> was making that joke in this movie. Well, came they, out. that's the only like that's the only commercial they would show for the movie. <laughs> yeah, it would be on like sporting events and stuff too, and you'd be like, "Oh God, stop, guys." <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh we'll leave our discussion to those movies for next week though um it's been a pleasure talking about the thing we'll be keeping ourselves in spooky season all october um but you guys will have to wait until next time thank you so much for listening Bye, everybody um